Hi, welcome to Dry Eye Coach Podcast. My name is Walt Whitley, and today we're going to talk about ways for practices to start running dry eye trials. Clinical research is a critical element to improving the options and solutions available for patients. For some practices, there are so many unknowns and question marks, they don't know how to get involved or where to start. Today, we will be chatting with George Usler, who's the Senior Vice President of Anterior Segment at Aura, an ophthalmic CRO, about the considerations and benefits of incorporating clinical trials into your practice. Welcome, George, and tell us about Aura. Hi, Walt. Thank you so much for having us on your podcast. Um, Aura is a full-service global CRO uh, that's been dedicated specifically to ophthalmology for more than 40 years. Uh, we're headquartered in the United States, but have offices in Europe, Asia, and Australia. And uh, we've had the honor to help uh, our clients earn 45 approvals over those years across various indications. Um, and we've also really specialized in the area of uh, dry eye disease in these past 20 years, and have had the honor to um, see that this, this indication in this field evolve over time, both in our understanding of dry eye as well as the various products that are being developed. Um, we've also had the opportunity to uh, work on most of the products that are approved and many of the products that are in the pipeline. Um, we actually have uh, over 100 research members or staff dedicated to just dry eye uh, trials themselves. Um, so it's been really wonderful to see this uh, area of dry eye research and product development evolve. Um, we've had a wonderful opportunity to work with many small startup companies as well as large global, global pharma companies. Um, and so we're very excited to, to share our thoughts today. Yeah, and so glad you're here. I mean, I love doing dry eye research and you know, we've worked with you in, in the past. I do have some several questions for you. And so the first question is in the midst of the challenges we all face with the pandemic, dry eye research seems to be going strong these days. What is your assessment of the current dry eye landscape? So you're absolutely correct, Walt. Um, dry eye research is, has never been a busier. Um, in fact, we're, we're calling it uh, the golden era of dry eye research in our learning, learnings about dry eye itself, but also in product development. Um, so in addition to the approved products that we have, uh, such as Restasis, Zydra, Sequa, and others, um, and more recent approvals, such as the Cala product, um, that has lodopredinol for the short treatment of uh, short-term treatment of dry eye signs and symptoms. Uh, there's a very healthy pipeline and a lot of innovation that's being looked at. Um, so I would say that beyond anti-inflammatories, there's also wound healing therapies. There's hormonal therapies, uh, very interesting devices targeted to treat dry eye, um, and and also some really interesting and new delivery mechanisms. So uh, we've seen novel vehicles that help with delivering uh, medications to the aqua surface, better penetration, better dwell time, um, but also unique approaches where we deliver medication up the nose, so nasal sprays and even subconscious injections. Um, but overall, uh, dry eye is, is very busy and um, there's a lot of phase threes that are underway and also a lot of phase twos, which suggests a lot of innovation and a lot of future products. And I totally agree. Uh People may have heard me say before, dry eye is a hot topic, and it is, I mean, in all facets, especially when it comes to clinical research and some of the uh, technologies and innovation that will be soon on the market. You know, one of the things you just mentioned is drug delivery. 
And, you know, that has definitely been changing, you know, the, 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 the way that we treat our patients, uh, the efficacy, the safety, uh, the ability for the drugs to penetrate into the eye and uh, address the signs and symptoms that patients are having. And so I, I couldn't agree more. So my next question is for practices who have never participated in dry eye clinical trials, why should they consider doing so? Well, I think first and foremost, um, we do have products available to treat and address dry eye, um, but it's still a considerable unmet medical need. Um, I, I feel that there are additional improvements to look at faster onset of action of products, um, products that are maybe more comfortable with fewer adverse events, um, possibly broader acting therapies that hit multiple signs and symptoms. So I think one of the, the key features here is we need to bring more therapies to, to market. And what a wonderful way for a practice to participate in, in the latest and greatest science to help their patients. Um, also, we are seeing this approach where um, really it's a polypharmacy treatment to dry eye, that uh, dry patients may have more than one underlying cause or etiology. Uh, you know, we see that dry eye is much more complex than one may believe. And because of that complexity, a patient may be on more than one therapy. So they may be on a longer-term anti-inflammatory uh, combined with a, a shorter-acting um, treatment for the acute signs and symptoms of dry eye. Um, so again, we need to bring more therapies to have more options for our patients. Um, beyond that, you know, I think really just being on the cutting edge. You know, the, the practices that we work with in the sites really enjoyed letting their patients know that they're involved in clinical research, that they are contributing to developing medications and, and providing the latest medical care for their patients. Um, and, and, you know, lastly, Walt, even just the concept of alternatives and additional source of income, you know, clinical research um, does provide that stream of income for practice as well. Yeah, and so being involved with the clinical research, I mean, you know, people have asked me, you know, what do I, I like about it? It's, it's a lot of the things that you just mentioned. Uh, we have a lot of patients, they love to be a part of the dry eye clinical trials. And so they're in one study, and then when it's done, they're like, hey, when can I start the next one? And they, they do understand how they're helping to benefit uh, science and, and future uh, patients and, and, and products are going to be able to address the, the signs and symptoms that they have. You know, for me, it's it's just one of these things. It just helps me grow as a clinician. I get to learn about all this this innovation uh, when it comes into the space and drug development. And so, uh, so it's been a, a great part of our practice. So, what are the key factors to consider when becoming a site for clinical research in dry eye? Um, first and foremost, it's it's really critical to understand your your patient database. So recognizing the different indications and, um, you know, whether it's dry patients, allergy patients, glaucoma patients, uh, back of the eye, retinal conditions, um, and, and really getting a good sense of what is the uh, characterization of those patients. So often what we see in clinical research and, and specifically in dry eye, um, we become more and more selective of the patient population to be able to demonstrate efficacy. And this is really coming from the fact that, um, again, it's a multifactorial disease with a number of underlying etiologies. So we narrow down the appropriate patient or what we call the right patient who has the best chance to respond to an investigational therapy. So uh, it's very important to be able to say, this patient has a Schirmer score of less than 10 millimeters. This patient has 
um, SPK or superficial punctate keratitis to this level. Um, this patient may have symptoms to this level on the following quality life, quality of life questionnaire or, or, um, or scale in general. So characterizing your patients is very helpful because when you participate in the clinical research, we want to get a good sense of how many patients will actually meet qualification for that specific protocol. Um, so I think that's a very helpful thing to do um, in, a, in a practice setting. Um, also, whatever can be done to standardize the assessments in a clinical practice um, and, and going through medical charts. And what I mean by this is maybe there is a, a, a scale that evaluates corneal staining um, that, uh, that can be incorporated to your practice and collect the information in a very standardized way or use scales, again, to identify symptoms um, in, in, a, in a controlled manner. Um, and this also helps with uh, characterizing your patients. Um, also, I, I think having a, a good dedicated site coordinator is, is essential. Um, and this individual can help with um, working with a CRO or working directly with a sponsor. Um, also having principal investigators and sub-investigators that are interested in the research that can dedicate some of their time to the clinical research. Um, and all that infrastructure ultimately will make a, a, a clinical practice successful in doing research. Um, and lastly, I would mention that um, it's really also important to think about how clinical research can be integrated into your practice, into the workflow of your practice. Um, some sites that we work with decide to do research on the weekends so that it doesn't interfere with the day-to-day -day practice. Other practices really like to integrate research patients into their everyday clinical practice patients. Um, so that's something to consider so that you don't interrupt your core business or clinical practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in our in our practice, we just incorporate it within our clinic itself. Uh, we're fortunate. You mentioned the importance of having a study uh, coordinator, and we have a whole team, uh, and so we have three people in our uh, at our practice that help coordinate the various uh, various studies that we have. Uh, you mentioned you know knowing your numbers and knowing your patient base, and it's just like anything, yeah, you have to track it, and it's not going to improve. But if you don't track it, you won't be able to deliver the numbers to the various uh, pharmaceutical companies or the CROs to saying, hey, I want to be a, a part of clinical research. Uh, I guess my, a question for you is, are you, when you're trying to identify a, a clinical site, are you looking at um, solo practitioners or do they have to be in group practices or it, can you comment on that? Sure. Um, quite frankly, all of the above, Walt. Um, you know, it, it can be any any mix. It can be a sole practitioner. It can be a large group. Um, often it's private practices, but we do also work with institutions and in, in hospital settings. Um, and a lot of it's driven by, you know, what, what patient population we're interested in. Um, but at the end of the day, if the practice has um, sufficient number of patients, again, that are well characterized, um, we can really work with, with uh, most any group. So next question, what, what can a practice expect after they agree to participate as a site in a clinical trial? Uh, great question. So uh, typically a site would be working directly with a CRO um, on, a, on a research project. Sometimes they'll work directly with a sponsor, but more often than not, it's, it's directly with the CRO. Um, and some of the initial steps are that the CRO will um, lay out the, the expectations, the goals of the research program, as you indicated, Walt, you know, the expected number of patients, overall timelines, um, get through the contractual phase. Um, 
And then it turns from there into a whole series of evaluations. So typically the CRO would send out a team that would do a site evaluation and that really includes things like just making sure there's sufficient um, uh, 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 instruments and, and, and proper areas for patients to be seen and all the right licenses and these things. Um, and then beyond that, we go through initiation visits. So to, to train the sites on the specific study protocol and evaluations and the medication that's being studied. Um, so quite a bit of extensive training. Um, and then, you know, we get into the actual study itself and um, through that process and the study conduct, uh, the site will work with monitors and monitors will come out and they're the individuals that will review all the study data and just to make sure that um, the data is, is clear, um, that we're capturing what we were hoping to capture, um, and just make sure that all the information is being put into the system um, according to timelines, and again, just maintain the quality of, of the program. Um, after that, we get typically towards the end of the study where we'll start to clean up the database of information across many sites, and some programs will have two or three sites involved. Others may have 100 sites involved, so that can be a very large undertaking. Uh, but it's critical to make sure all the clinical data that we collected, both objective and subjective, is, is uh, clean in the database so we can have a, a good understanding of the results. Um, and after that, you know, hopefully the, the study is successful. And if it is, then sites may um, undergo audits um, by sponsors and, and possibly even the FDA if that drug looks like it has a good chance of being approved. Um, so many different levels, but um, this is something that an experienced CRO would certainly work with the site and um, share their experience and hold their hand through the whole process. Well, you pretty much answered my next question that I had for you is, you know, what are the benefits in partnering with a CRO, a CRO on a clinical, uh, on a dry eye trial? Is there anything else that you, uh, yeah. that comes to mind on that? Well, you know, I, I guess I could say a few words around, um, you know, Aura as a CRO, um, especially in the area of dry eye. So working with uh, someone like us, you know, we've got an extensive history in dry eye, if, if that is the indication of interest. Interest. So we often partner and collaborate with sites. Um, and something that we do that's uh, unique is we can help to provide resources to sites. Um, so some sites that may be interested in research but don't have the appropriate infrastructure quite yet, um, we have certain situations where uh, ORA can help to provide coordinators for sites. Um, often we can help with recruiting patients and running advertisements for that site. Um, and we also have a unique model where um, we may provide uh, clinical staff to help see the patients for the research study. And of course, that would be under the delegation of the principal investigator at that location. But that that really helps sites get involved in clinical research and it makes it very efficient. Um, so you can see larger number of patients in shorter periods of time and have some really dedicated resources. Um, you know, beyond that, I think just uh, establishing long-term relationships with sites and CROs is also key. Um, and that ultimately leads to, you know, a pipeline of studies. And as you indicated, Walt, not only are sites excited about next studies, but also patients. Um, so that that's something we've we've certainly seen. And um, a final comment is there's also a lot of innovation that's happening in clinical research beyond the actual study drugs themselves. Um, and this is an area that Aura shines quite a bit, where we have different technologies um, to help with patient enrichment and helping with 
um, uh, really trying to standardize endpoints and try to minimize what we call the background noise. So there's different technologies that um, Aura uh, may uh, use with the clinical research that we bring to a site to help them conduct that research. So we have some mobile laboratories that pull up to your practice and, and contain some of these technologies, which is fun and exciting for the sites and, and the patients. Um, but I think it's important to be involved with a CRO that um, can really help a site develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've I've been involved with that mobile truck before, and uh, uh, I mean it, it's it's very interesting and it's exciting uh, for the for the patients and and us as well. Um, we know the how the how trials positively impact the industry, but how do these dry eye trials positively impact the practices uh, involved? Um, you know, again, I think it's it's. Uh, really to help these practices bring additional therapies to market, being part of that cutting edge. Um, you know, I uh, we work with sites that um, will put out a lot of material that they are involved in clinical research, that they've contributed to the latest approval, um, and, you know, that goes a long way with their patient database. Um, and, and really, you know, just expanding these treatment options. And, uh, you know, I would say, too, that... Um, Again, it's 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 a bit of a um, additional source of income for a practice as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, one of the things you hit on is it's a differentiator uh, for for your practice and and uh, it's uh, offerings that that you're able to give our patients and, and your patients. You know, many patients I mentioned that that love to be part of the trials, but then there's also some patients that you know they. Uh, you know, they, 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 we give them all their options. We, hey, we can prescribe this or we can prescribe that, but the, you're going to be a great candidate. We're doing this clinical research trial. Are you interested? And yeah, I'm interested. Tell me more. And if it works out for them, I mean, it, 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 it's great for the patient and great for us as well. So let's talk about publishing the clinical trial results in peer-reviewed publications. Can a practice or inv investigator be involved with this? Uh, definitely won't. Um, in fact, sponsors are very excited and often request sites to uh, be co-authors on publications, um, and, and they tend to publish um, early stage studies, so phase two studies, as well as the later stage phase three registration programs. Um, you know, clearly it's the, it's the principal investigators, the sub-investigators at, at clinical sites that are conducting the research, and it's most appropriate to have them um, present that research. So uh, that is very common, um, and I know a lot of sites get excited about this. Um, and in fact, we're talking about demonstrating to your patients and your uh, local community that you're involved in, in cutting-edge science, and this is something that's been uh, nice to share with, with patients in the community, is published papers by um, investigators in that trial. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's wonderful. We've actually seen that um, also, uh, practitioners are, are asked to give presentations locally and also at national and, and international meetings as well, um, having, again, conducted the research and sharing their experience in that process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So are there some recent completed trials that you can talk about? Wow. <laughs> we, we could talk about a lot of things. <laughs> Which well, one? Um... Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I, like I was saying earlier, Aura is uh, heavily involved in dry eye, and, and, and we're running uh, the majority of phase two, phase three programs out there, and we've had the honor to do this over many, many years. So we could talk till um, late into the evening about this, um, but 
but what I would say is that there, there's a lot of phase threes underway, um, which means that this is going to uh, turn into a number of approvals, and we're hopeful that within the next, I'd say, two to three years, we'll see more therapies and options being brought to market. Um, but additionally, uh, phase two programs are also very nice to see, and that basically is planting the seed for the future, for next generation dry therapies. Um, and what's so exciting about this is, as, as we talked about in the beginning, there's a lot of different therapeutic approaches. There's novel deliver delivery mechanisms. There's very novel uh, APIs. A lot of very out-of-the-box, really interesting approaches to treating dry eye. So we see a very healthy uh, pipeline in the long term. Um, but what I would mention, Walt, is, you know, as far as a more recently completed program, um, is, is a company called Oyster Point. And um, they have a very interesting a therapeutic approach to treating dry eye, um, and this is the, the company that has implemented a nasal spray that delivers an, an active treatment um, up the nostril basically to interact with the trigeminal nerve, and that uh, ultimately results in tear production, so it increases tear production quite significantly um, and also reduces symptomatology of dry eye. And um, what was so interesting about this program is they've they've run just a couple of studies and they've been able to demonstrate um, and, and they've met pre-specified primary endpoints. So it's probably one of the fastest uh, dry programs that we've ever seen. Um, and if you look through the press releases, um, they've indicated that they'll be submitting an NDA uh, by the end of this year, which is which is very exciting. So that that's probably the latest and greatest Walt um, and a very effective therapy with a unique and interesting delivery mechanism. Yeah, targeted therapy, and you know whether it's going to be through the the nasal cavity, whether it's the drops, um, you know, kind of like uh, MIGS technology. You know, when it comes to glaucoma, there's a various devices that can target the the uh, various uh, whether it's going to be the production, whether it's going to be the drainage through the trabecular meshwork or where or subconscious space. But now we're doing this with dry eye with with various target therapies, so it definitely uh, is exciting. And so my last question for you is. You shared all this great information. So how does someone get started? Who do they need to reach out to? <laughs> uh, great question. So um, certainly reach out to Aura. Um, we have our website, auraclinical.com, and uh, that's uh, we'll give you uh, – there's actually a, a site on within our site for investigators to express interest. Um, certainly we can uh, give us a call at the organization as well. Um, and there's also email and contact information on the website. But um, we're always happy to speak to sites and explore opportunities. Um, like I said, there's no uh, shortage of dry eye studies, which means that there's a huge need for uh, additional investigators and sites to get involved. Um, and uh, as mentioned before, Aura really likes to establish long-term relationships with our sites. and. Um, possibly start with dry eye, but get into ocular allergy, glaucoma therapies, retinal disease, um, medical devices, so on and so forth. Um, so, yeah, we absolutely look forward to hearing from um, everyone and, and would be happy to engage in some uh, exciting discussions. Uh, George, you said there's no shortage in uh, dry eye studies. Uh, there's no shortage in dry eye patients either because we know that there definitely is, is a need for, for patients. But I do want to thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, it was great to have you. Uh, George Osler, once again, Senior Vice President of Anterior Segment from Aura. Um, 
And so thank you all for attending uh, this podcast, and we look forward for you to uh, listen to our next one coming up. So thank you all very much, and have a good one. Excellent. Thank you.